Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you bit of a background um, to, to this, this communion and um, how I feel it's a very special one. Um, as part of our journey, if you were with us on, on Sunday, um, journeying into the new, journeying into God's promises, we arrived with the children of Israel at, at Gilgal, at a place called Gilgal. And many significant things took place at Gilgal. Most significant was that the children of Israel were circumcised at Gilgal. And um, if you were here on Sunday, we understood that that circumcision was not a physical one, but was a circumcision of the heart. And at the end of um, Joshua the fifth, towards the end of Joshua the fifth chapter, um, the Bible says in verse 10, of Joshua the fifth. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and patched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Now, two things happened as the children of Israel were on the plains of Jericho, looking um, in, at Jericho in the distance. Two significant things happened. Uh, the first one was they celebrated the Passover. Um, the Passover was significant for them, as we'll find out, and so they celebrated uh, that most significant of meals, the Passover. The second thing that happened was that their, the, the method by which God had provided for them changed. Um, a, a new way of provision was introduced to them. And I want you to bear those things in mind, in your mind, as we um, come to talk about the communion and partake of the communion. And so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and bless you. We glorify your name. We exalt you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercies. We thank you for this meal, significant, Father, for us, um, significant as our first communion uh, in the season of the new things that you're doing with us. And, Father, we ask, O oh God, that your spirit will be very evident, Heavenly Father, it will achieve the purposes for which you had, you instituted it, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, there's, um, if there's one uh, Christ-centered um, right that uh, our Lord and Savior left us with as a New Testament church, um, it would be the communion. Possibly in addition would be baptism by immersion. But the communion is easily, the, 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 with baptism, the Christ-centered rites that 
were left with us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the body of Christ celebrates it, whether it's the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread, or the communion. But then we must believe that it is more than just a ritual or a rite. Um, the whole thrust of the New Testament church is that it's a church where we expect the supernatural. We expect the Spirit of God to move. Uh, we're not just going through religious rituals or rites. And so when we come to the communion, we must be expectant for the Spirit of God to move. We must be expectant for an encounter with God. Uh, we must be expectant that what was on the mind of Christ, we will see a manifestation of it in our lives. So, so as we come to this meal, as you come to this meal, you must be expectant. If there's one attitude I am encouraging, it is that you are expectant. That you believe that there will be an encounter as you partake of this meal. Um, and I think when we look through the, what the scriptures say about this meal, we find in the scriptures graphic pointers to what we expect to happen when we come to this meal. And significantly for us, as we are pressing into new things, it's important that tonight we encounter God to empower us, prepare us for the new things that he's going to do in our lives. Now, the scriptures we read talked about them celebrating the Passover at Gilgal. It's interesting that when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ instituted this meal that we celebrate, he did it in the Passover season. In Matthew's Gospel, the 26th chapter and the 17th verse, the Passion Translation, Matthew 26 verse 17, the Passion Translation, it says, on the first day of Passover, the day when any bread made with yeast was removed from every Jewish home, what is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where should we prepare the Passover meal for you? So it was on the first day of Passover. And we also know that the Passover was a, a symbol of this meal. So when we go back to when the Passover was first celebrated, as the children of Israel had escaped we're on the verge of escaping from captivity, 430 years of captivity in Egypt. Moses received an instruction from God and then passed the instruction unto the elders and through them to the children of Israel. Exodus, the 12th chapter, verses 21 to 24. Exodus 12, 21 to 24. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families. And kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. 
for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Now, the observation of this continues not in the Passover, but in the communion, the observation of, of this, this meal. And so, first thing, um, what we celebrate today is really uh, fulfillment of the Passover meal. And what was the Passover meal about? It was that the blood on the lintels of their homes, as long as they were in those homes, they would escape the wrath of God and the destroyer that was roaming the land would not be able to touch them. Amen? They would escape the wrath of God and the destroyer would not be able to touch them. Um, the fulfillment of that, of course, is that our Passover lamb is Christ. And because he has taken on your sin and my, my sin, we escape the wrath of God, for God has to judge sin to continue to be just and fair. But Christ took it upon himself, and as long as we receive him as Lord and Savior, receive the blood of Christ as a cleansing to cleanse us from our sins. We escape the wrath of God. But critically, we also, as importantly, well, not as importantly, but important enough, we also, under the covering of the blood, escape the destroyer that is roaming the land. Amen? Does this make some sense? Yes? Amen. Okay. So first thing I want us to do is to pray. I'm going to share a few points and we pray through every point concerning the new. So first thing I want us to do is to pray. I want you to pray and thank God for your Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. I want you to thank God that because of the price he paid for you on the cross, you're washed in the blood, you're made righteous by his blood, uh, you have access to God by, 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 by God's grace. And you're a child of God. So I want you to thank God for that. And then I want you to declare that because of that blood, because of the covering of the blood over you and your family, your household, the destroyer in whatever form cannot come near you or your dwelling. Can you make that declaration? Father, we just want to thank you. Go on, I need you to pray. Lift your voices if you're at home. You have freedom at home if, if you're here. Go on, begin to pray. This, this is part of what we're declaring concerning the new, that you're thanking God for your salvation, thanking God that Christ became your Passover lamb, thanking God that he took on the wrath of God, thanking him that he, as a result of Christ paying the price, being your substitute, your sins are forgiven. Go on. You want to thank him genuinely from your heart. A lot of times we don't think about the awesome price that he paid for our salvation, but you want to thank him today for that awesome price. And then you want to begin to make declarations that because of the covering of the blood over, over you, over your household, over your life, over your loved ones, the destroyer has to pass over. You want to command that destroyer in whatever form that you can't come near my dwelling, you can't come near my life, you can't come near my home, 
this is a no-go area for you because it is under the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we just want to thank you and we bless you. We declare this, O God, as we go into the new. That, Heavenly Father, we are grateful, O God, Lord Jesus, that you became our Passover lamb. We are grateful for the imputed righteousness that we receive. We are grateful that, that you took on the wrath of God so that we could be free. We are grateful for what all that means for us. And we declare over our lives, over our households, that we are under the blood. And so we declare every destroyer in any form must pass over. Pass over. You can't come near this home, near this life, near this dwelling in the mighty name of Jesus. And together we say, Amen and Amen. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And then Jesus goes on in the scriptures we read to institute this communion. He has a meal with his disciples. We call it the, the Last Supper. Matthew, the 26th chapter, verses 26 to 30. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So what is the clear picture we get from that? It's that phrase, new covenant. What he was saying is that what we're about to do is about to institute a new covenant. It's not going to be business as usual. Uh, something different is coming into place. Now, the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible tells the same story from Old Testament to New Testament. You know, a lot of people think that there's a stop, um, that there's an Old Testament and it stops and then the Bible changes track. No, from Genesis to Revelations is one story. Frankly, it's the story of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. It's the story of a people who would have ended up separated from God for eternity, but who eventually, by the grace and mercy of God, a pathway was created for us to be reunited with him. And this whole story of a new covenant, it's interesting that I find the clearest description of it in the Old Testament. What is this new covenant? I want to take you back to the old to explain the new more clearly than maybe you might have ever heard it. Ezekiel, the 36th chapter. Ezekiel, the 36th chapter. Verses 26 to 30. So this meal reaffirms what I am about to read to you. Uh, and these are the things that we must expect as we partake of the meal. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 to 30. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So what's the first thing we expect? What do we expect? What is this new covenant about? That our heart is changed. That his spirit is put, with, 
put back, puts into us. A new spirit, uh, the Old Testament tells us it is. And isn't that exactly what happens with the new covenant? If we genuinely have an encounter with Christ, our heart is changed and his spirit is put within us. His spirit takes residence in us. And he goes on to say, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And, and that's the way the new covenant is supposed to be. The spirit within us. We submit to the spirit. The spirit gives us the grace to be obedient to God. So things that we couldn't do naturally, we can do by the spirit. That's why there is nothing that God asks you to do that he hasn't made provision by his spirit for you to do. If God says be holy, then believe that you and I can be holy. On our own, we can't. But by the Spirit of God, we can. And every other requirement of the Word of God can be achieved by the Spirit of God. That's the blessing of the new covenant. And then he goes on to say, Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. That's the basis of the covenant. That's what we are reaffirming today as we take the communion. That Lord, I am your son. You are my God. I declare that today. I submit myself to that covenant. And he goes on to say, I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. Isn't that what the new covenant is about? That we are cleansed from our sins. And as, as, as the apostle tells us, continuously cleansed by the blood. It's not a, a one-stop thing. That's the power of the blood. And then he says, I will, I, I will call for the grain and multiply it. Now that speaks of, a, of, of supernatural provision. Grain for them was symbolic of provision. And God says, part of this new covenant is I will bless you. I will call for your grain and I will multiply it. May multiplication come to someone who believes the word of God, holds on to it and walks in this new with the, with the Lord in the name of Jesus. He goes on to say, and I will bring no famine upon you, no dryness upon you, no barrenness upon you, no unfruitfulness upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees. Again, a picture of, of, of miraculous provision from God. And, and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. That's part of what, what, what the new brought for us. Of course, primarily it was our hearts. Primarily it was it was the change in our hearts. Primarily, it was our submission to God for relationship with God. But then, even as the Lord's, Lord's Prayer teaches us, it goes beyond that, beyond that spiritual need. And he goes to meet our needs in a, in a natural, material sense. And, 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 and that's the fullness of that covenant. Hallelujah. Amen. So, you want to pray. And, and, and you want to pray that. Firstly, you want to thank God for your new heart and your new spirit uh, that he gave you at salvation. You want to thank God for taking out the heart of stone and putting in the heart of flesh. You want to go on and thank God for his spirit within you. You want to make a, a, a covenant with the spirit of God, an agreement with the spirit of God that today you commit yourself to yielding and submitting to him. 
that he should give you the grace to obey the word of God, the grace to obey the instructions of God, that you want to be led by the Spirit. The sign of the child of God are those who are led by the Spirit. The sons of God are, are, are those who are led by the Spirit. Go on, you want to pray that, Lord, help me. And you want to give yourself to God in terms of submission. You want to submit and yield to the Spirit of God. And then you want to make a personal covenant with God today as you embark, as you go down the plains of Jericho into Jericho and as you march into what God has planned for your life. Go on, just lift your voice. You want to say, God, I, I make a vow to you, a covenant to you. I am your child. I will submit to you. Be my God. Be my God in every area. Go on, lift your voice and begin to declare that. Be my God in every area. And then you want to thank him for delivering you from uncleanness. You want to thank him for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed. And then you want to begin to pray that God, exactly as your word has said, multiply my grain. That's asking for multiplication of provision. Bring no famine upon me, upon my loved ones. No, 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 no desert experience, no unfruitfulness, no barrenness. Father, no, Heavenly Father, don't bring it upon me. Multiply the fruit of, of my trees, incre the increase of my fields. All that is speaking about provision, and you want to pray for that. And may I never again bear the reproach of famine. Go on, pray that prayer. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Go on, lift your voice and pray that prayer. Go on, you can read it out of Ezekiel and pray that prayer. Thanking him for the new spirit. Father, we bless you. Thanking him for the heart of stone that has become a heart of flesh. Uh, thanking him for his spirit within you and making a, a, a commitment to yielding and submitting to the spirit of God. Go on, do that. Father, we just thank you. And then begin to thank him for delivering you from uncleanness, for the blood of Jesus Christ. And then thank him for supernatural multiplication of provision uh, in, in your life in different ways Father we just thank you and we bless you we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus name Amen and Amen praise God now the third the third thing that, that comes to you from this meal um, is that it's actually a family meal it's a meal that speaks of unity um, we take it and it, we are united with God and the Godhead as we take it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then we're also united with the family of God here on earth. That's why it's, 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 we might have our, different, our differences in how we express our worship of God as Christians. But isn't it interesting that the, you know, we, we don't even agree about baptism. Some say it's by sprinkling. Some say it's by immersion. But the one thing we all agree about is this meal. That's the one thing we all do and we all agree about. Our songs might be different, but we all agree about this meal. That's the unifying force uh, of this meal. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17 the Bible says, for when we pray, the Passion Translation, for when we pray for the blessing of the communion cup, isn't this our co-participation with the blood of Jesus? And the bread that we distribute, isn't this the bread of our 
co-participation with the body of Christ. For although we are many, we become one loaf of bread and one body as we feast together on one loaf. That's the powerful picture of the unifying force of this meal. As we celebrate it, it's almost like we're transported back to where he was with the disciples, sitting at the same table with him, reclining at that table with him, enjoying the depth of deep fellowship with him. How can that be a ritual? It's not a ritual. So as we eat, as we eat this meal now uh, and drink this symbol of his, of his blood, just feel the presence of Christ with us here today. Feel the presence of, the, of Christ in your home Feel the presence of the Spirit of God overseeing and orchestrating it. It can't be a ritual if, the, the, if Christ is here in that manner and His Spirit is here and in your home uh, in that manner. And then the way the early church celebrated it tells us it's also such a unifying force for the church. You know, as they were persecuted and, and hounded for their faith, the Bible says in Acts, the second chapter, the 42nd verse, Acts 2, verse 42, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly. There were certain things they did that strengthened them. And one of them was the apostles' doctrine. That's what they'd been taught, the word of God. Another thing was fellowship, uh, as they fellowshiped together. But then they also broke bread, and in the breaking of bread, there was something unifying and something that strengthened them against adversity and difficulty. There's a way that when we, come, when we stand together shoulder to shoulder, when I'm not just there for myself, but I'm carrying your burden as well, there's something that lifts up a people. So when we celebrate this meal today, we're not going on our own. No, firstly, we're celebrating it with Christ, with the Spirit of God. And I want you to know that as a truth. It's not necessarily a feeling. And sometimes you can feel it. But it's a truth that you know that we are not alone. Christ is very much here. His spirit is very much here. But critically, draw strength from your brother or your sister who is eating this meal with you. And draw strength against any adversity or any persecution. In Jesus' name. Go on. Will you pray that as a prayer? On, I want you to ask God for revelation of what I have just said. That, that as you celebrate this meal, you will know, you will know definitely that Christ is there. Christ is coming into your home. The Spirit of God is coming in there, superintending and supervising this process. And so ask God to open your eyes to see. And then as you pray that prayer as well, you want to pray for strength. You want to pray to understand the revelation that you're not alone. That we stand as a family. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Go on, pray that prayer. Go on, pray it from, the, from your heart. Just thank you and bless you. Revelation, the spirit of revelation, please come and give us revelation. Let's, let someone know of a truth that, that Christ is here. As we celebrate this meal, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And then, of course, what else is this meal about? 
especially as we enter the new for us. It's a meal of consecration and dedication. It's a meal where we are giving ourselves to abiding with Christ. We are, we are knitting our lives to Christ's life. We are ready to pay the price of being consecrated, set apart for God. The key requirement of this new is that we are consecrated. Holiness is not an old-fashioned word. The challenge the body of Christ faces is that we have, we have become so accustomed to the sinful that whilst we might not be directly involved in the actual sin, but by being around it and accommodating it, we have lowered our spiritual barometer to levels where the power of God can't flow like God wants it to flow. And so this meal is a meal of consecration for you. If you take this meal, you are saying, Lord, I give myself to you again. John the 6th chapter, verses 53 to 58. John the 6th chapter, verses 53 to 58, the Passion Translation. Jesus, Jesus replied to them, Listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. <clears throat> the one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in him. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, I will become his life. I am not like the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. He was speaking of more than a natural eating of a meal. But the eating of the meal with the right heart, the right spirit, is symbolic of a deeper relationship and a commitment and a consecration to a deeper relationship. So you want to pray and say, Heavenly Father, as I eat this bread and drink this wine, I want it to be a token of my commitment, consecration, and dedication to you. Today, I make this promise to you. Give me the grace to fulfill it. That I am dedicating my life. And someone might say, rededicating my life. I am giving myself to you totally, holding no areas back. I declare that 
I am consecrated, set apart for you. In the name of Jesus. Go on, pray that prayer in your own words. Go on, go on. It's your heart that God wants to see. It's the sincerity of your prayer, the sincerity of your words. Think about it. Are you ready to really consecrate yourself to God? Dedicate yourself to God. That's what this is about. It's a meal of consecration, consecration. It's a meal where that says, God, I'm putting it all aside. I can't continue to live that life. I'm certainly not going to live in the new with one foot in and one foot out. It's all for you, God. That's your prayer. God, will you pray that prayer? Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Holy Spirit, please come help us to articulate the words in our hearts as we dedicate ourselves to you, commit ourselves to you, consecrate ourselves to you, oh God. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, what kind of meal is it? It's a meal of remembrance. That's, that's a big thing with this meal. That, that God wants us to remember. And when Paul instituted it for the New Testament church, for you and I, in 1 Corinthians 11, the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, verses 23 to 27, this is what he said. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 27, the Passion Translation. This is what he said. I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, the same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember me. He did the same with the cup of wine after supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. Powerful scripture. Now, this meal Jesus had with those he loved the most, those who were closest to him, his closest and his dearest, towards the end of his life. And he knew the timetable. He wasn't walking blind. He was so in tune with God that he knew the timetable. Don't forget, on many occasions, he had told them the timetable that I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to hang me on a cross. So he knew that the time was, it was coming towards that time. And he had a chance to sit with those that he loved. Now, if you imagine that these were some of his last words to those that he loved, I'm sure you get the idea of the significance of that meal. And also the significance of what he said to them and also the thrust of what he said to them. For 
What was he doing in that meal? He was preparing them for life without him. And he was preparing them to overcome that life without him. To be more than conquerors, as the Bible says. And so how does he prepare them? He tells them that it is important that you remember me. Now, was he saying remember me in a human way, where as human beings, even though we are dying, we don't want people to forget us? He didn't have that need. He didn't have that need because he wasn't human um, in that sense. You know, of course, he was human to the extent that uh, his humanity was submitted totally to the Spirit of God. But he wasn't lacking in anything in that regard. So it wasn't one of those um, fathers who's going to die and who tie up the children and force them after he has died to remember him. You must all gather here. You must make this kind of tombstone for me. And, you know, they just try to make sure that they are remembered. No, he wasn't suffering from that. Because his whole life was for us, when he says, do this to remember me, it's for you and I, not for him. And why did he want us to remember him? Why did he want us to retell the story, proclaim his death? It was so that what he did for us, we would remember to appropriate and apply to our lives. We would not forget because of the battering of life. So what did he do for us? He shed his blood. Remember that. To forget that is to dishonor the blood of Christ. So tonight, we remember the shedding of the blood. We remember why he shed his blood. What else does he want us to remember? That he laid his body down. He didn't have to. He's God. That he allowed them to lacerate his back, turn his back into, into a mess of tissue and blood. 39 times. He says to you, remember that. Why does he want you to remember that? Because he did it for a reason. And the Bible tells us the reason. The prophet Isaiah prophesies it 700, 800 years before in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. The apostle Peter testifies about it, confirms the prophecy, even after he had died, that by his stripes you were healed. So he says to someone who is in need of that healing, remember I have already paid the price for it. So of course in this, in this meal we expect the supernatural that as someone remembers the grace of God for healing will be released in Jesus name. Amen. So go on, will you pray that last prayer? Go on, pray that last prayer. Go on, pray it as the Spirit of God leads you wherever you are. Remember the blood. Remember what he did. 
We are retelling the story tonight. Remember that. And then if you're in need of healing, remember that he, he, he could have, as he said, he could have summoned angels to deal with all of them. But he went like a sheep to the slaughter, not, not uttering a word because of you. He laid down his body so that he could be whipped with the Roman whip because each whip was dealing with one category of sickness or disease or another. Remember that. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Oh, we worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Holy Spirit, please come and superintend these proceedings, Spirit of the living God. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Sweet Spirit of the living God. Come. We're totally dependent on you, Holy Spirit. Come. Come. Come into this worship arena, into the homes all over the world. Come, Holy Spirit. Let tonight be different, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, I just want you to pray because you're in, each person is in a different place personally. Each person has a particular expectation of tonight. So go on, just begin to pray. Um, your, from your perspective, pray out of your circumstances. Go on, lift your voice at home, wherever you are, lift your voice and begin to petition God. Each person must ask for an encounter, an encounter with God. Otherwise, this is a ritual. It's a rite. And that's all it is. But when we have an encounter with the living God as we partake of this meal, Christ himself here to partake of it with us as family, the Spirit of God here, the Father himself super, supervising everything, then it's really an encounter. It's, it's, it's alive. It's full of the life of Christ. Go on. Go on. Begin to lift your voice and, and just, just put before God whatever you need to put before him concerning the next stage of the journey concerning your entering into the new father we just thank you lord we bless you marianne ketusta labrosika testelebrete kiana brondo kula musanga labroseke kiento loboko korobo come holy spirit come holy spirit come holy spirit Come, Spirit of the Living God, Makanderiende Brosingalanda Labrosekete, Janina Kurando Brokura Yekeke, Jabradeke Yemunto Robojaka Kariata, Mando Robojokura Yeke Keriete, Aribaka Karianda Brokostorobo. Where someone is weary, receive strength as we take this meal by the Spirit of God. Where someone has been lost, has lost hope. May hope come back, come back into your life in the name of Jesus as we take this meal. Where someone's vision has been blurred, may that vision receive, may you receive clarity of vision in the name of Jesus Christ. Where someone is sick in the body, I declare healing as we partake of this meal. Where someone is wounded in their soul and in their hearts, I declare that by the grace of God and the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus as we take this meal, I, I declare that the power of God is released into your life to bring healing in the name of Jesus. I just ask for an encounter that everyone will have an encounter with God. 
Go on, go on. You can do it yourself. You don't need me to do it. Go on. You just ask, ask that Lord give me an encounter. Let me, let me encounter you through this meal. Let, let me encounter your person through this meal. And then go on, just declare those things. Protection over your family. Protection of the, by the blood over yourself. Go and declare the benefits of the covenant and the covenant as you submit yourself to God, you declare that He is your God and you are His child. Go and declare, declare that. Declare that you celebrate this with the Godhead and with your church family here on earth. Go and declare that. Declare that this is a meal that marks a higher level of consecration of your life to God. And then begin to remember, 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 in the name of Jesus, I declare that this meal will unblock things. This meal will unlock things that will allow you to step into what God has planned for you. I declare that this meal marks a release for someone, a release from every constraint and every restraint as you move into what God has planned for you. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. Mando robo jaka kande lebra si kande lebro korobo jaka ariba shante lebrende delebasto lebro kura yekeke. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, we worship you, O God. Oh, we worship you, O God. Mari baso koroboste. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen.